0: So here we are so another busy week of football. there has been plenty of games, plenty of action, more controversy from refereeing decisions. I mean, it's just becoming part and parcel of the game now, isn't it, Dan?
1: Yep, yep. Once again, we're back to having some weird decision to try and make sense of every game.
0: Yeah, and it's certainly, I mean, it's always caused debate, but even more so now it's really stoking up the fire in every fan's belly when it comes to these minuscule decisions we you know potentially seeing more rule changes. I think is just gonna, you know, cause more controversy and more interesting incidents throughout the week of football. And as always, we are here to have a look, have a little chat and look forward to the football to the come. And this week we are looking forward to Euro twenty twenty slash twenty twenty one. What we're going to be doing today is predicting the 23-man squad from england what we think is going to be there and then as well the starting formation and team we expect to see on uh match one of the group stage um i think we should just get straight into it shouldn't we done
1: yeah might as well just crack on with it
0: so first of all i think it would be fair let's start with some honorable mentions players who You know, have shown some good form, but won't go into the squads. You know, saves us having to explain it uh, in the middle of it and breaking that up. So, have you got any players that you sort of think, you know, they've been good, but they're going to miss out, or perhaps are out for injury?
1: Yeah, I mean, speaking of injuries, you think of someone like Joe Gomez at Liverpool, obviously. Yeah. Missed the whole season for them. Uh, I don't think he's going to be fit in time for the Euros. At least you know he definitely won't be match fit from what everyone's been saying so obviously he'll probably miss out um for me i thought people like jude bellingham who obviously fantastic player but probably tournaments come a little bit too early for him yep and um harvey barnes as well was someone i kind of pointed out who could potentially make it but i think he recently had a a pretty bad injury i don't know how long it's gonna keep him out for and with you know how good England's attacking options are, it's going to take a lot for him to break into it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've got down to some honorable mentions. I think as, as brilliant as he's been in front of goal in terms of his technical ability, I think we're going to see someone like Patrick Bamford miss out. I think we are so strong in attack that, you know, maybe his lack of ability to play in a slightly different role probably means he'll miss out despite being, you know, in Really good goal-scoring form for Leeds. Um, You know, you said Harvey Barnes. I also think we're going to see James Madison miss out um, after Grealish and Foden and Mount have all had exceptional seasons so far. I think those two were, you know, both probably going to see miss out.
1: Yeah, uh, I I might have put Madison into my squad, but uh, we'll we'll get onto that in a minute. Um, (laughs) Because I think, like you said, there's so many options particularly in the creative midfield areas that s- yeah. uh, some good players are going to have to miss out. Um, and I think it's yeah. really, with players like Madison, it's kind of a flip of a coin or just who yeah. kind of Southgate prefers in the moment, I think.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that that's a good problem to have, isn't it? Cause it's not just the attacking midfield and strike force where we've got this sort of plethora of talented players and it's a real struggle to pick. You know, we're see- starting to see that, you know, not, you know actually in defence as well, right back... We definitely have, you know, an issue in who's our best option. Yeah, yeah. Um, You know, arguably your centre back pairing. You, we've chopped and changed that so many. You know, players come into patches of form and they drop out. You know, we see that with Harry Maguire, John Stones, imperious return to form. Connor Cody's solid. Tyrone Mings has been in and around there. You know, I think England's only real problem position at the moment that you could argue is left-back, but even then, the options we have there aren't weak at all.
1: Yeah, definitely improving. I think, you know, there's one yeah. player who I've been in a left-back who, if I you asked me that question 12 months ago, he wouldn't have even been in the conversation. But, uh, yeah. yeah, I think it's definitely, like you said, very good problems to have for England.
0: Yeah. So, I guess we should just get straight in with the goalkeepers. I'm assuming you've picked three. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So who, who, which three goalkeepers have you picked Dan?
1: Um I've gone with Jordan Pickford, Nick Pope and Dean Henderson. I think they probably picked themselves. I think the goalkeepers. Yeah. I, I don't know about you, I, who have you gone with?
0: I've gone for the exact same three. I don't think anyone else is in the uh, is in the conversation there, you know. You see some young English keepers have like Aaron Ramsdale have, you know, they get regular Premier League minutes. Carl Darlow's got regular Premier League minutes, but they certainly not haven't been at the level of these three. Uh, I say that with a slight asterisk, as Dean Henderson has played sort of a number two role to David De Gea for most yeah. of the season. But when he has played, he has been exceptional.
1: Yeah, I mean, started the Manchester Derby um, on Sa- oh, Sunday, actually, yesterday. Um, yeah. So obviously, I think, you know, my night have. Good faith in him, and I think he is a good goalkeeper. It's just you know De Gea is also a very good goalkeeper. Um, yeah. So yeah, I wouldn't have any concerns about any of them starting. Really, you know, Pickford will probably be first choice. I think.
0: Yeah. I. I think he'll be Southgate's first choice. He wouldn't be my first choice. I think he's too erratic, especially this season. I think he's been a bit. You know, he's dropped. In and out of the Everton lineup, I think that he he has a mistake in him, um, yeah. and his little arms certainly let him down. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: no, you are right. He he does have kind of that erraticness that you really don't want in a goalkeeper. I think that's probably the one position that you just want consistency. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, I think you're right. In Southgate, will pick him. But I think if it's a different manager, I think. You know, it's a, a much larger conversation.
0: Yeah, and I, I mean, Nick Pope has been reasonably solid in between the sticks for Burnley. You know, he's he's not been... I don't think he's been specced, like, a world-beating goalkeeper, but he's certainly not been terrible. Um, I, I think he's going to be... I think he's, he's dead set for the number two, I think. I think number one is really between Pickford and Henderson.
1: Yeah, well, I think the thing about Pope is he kind of he had a bit of a wobble at the start of the season, I think, and he's kind of yeah. grown into it. And one thing I like about Pope is he's definitely kind of he, he shows up in the big games, which I know yeah. for Burnley there aren't that many, but you think of when they beat Liverpool at Anfield, you know, he pulled
0: off. Stop a, mentioning <laughs> it.
1: I I can't help it, man. You know, he <laughs> he put in a, a man of the match performance and you know set you on on this uh, horrible run. Um, yeah. But, you know, he shows up in those big moments when Burnley really need him.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, you know, Burnley are, you know, sort of a typical, almost a standard typical English team of long ball who defend stoically. And, you know, he's sort of become a key part of that with some impressive performances in, in between the sticks. But as I say, I think in terms of natural talent, I don't think he's quite there for the number one spot.
1: Yeah, no, maybe in a couple of years, but I think he's a very reliable number two.
0: Yeah. Um, with that, we'll move on to your selection of right backs. We've got a variable pick and mix of players. You know, we've got different styles of player who actually, you know, have different strengths to their games. So be interested to see who you've gone for.
1: Yeah, well, you you know, mentioned at the start of the show that uh, right back is one of the positions that England have a lot of quality. And um, for me, I don't know how you've, you know, distributed the place in your squad, but I've tended to go for kind of two players for each position. So at right back, I've gone with Trent Alexander-Arnold and Rhys James from Chelsea.
0: Oh, okay. See, I've not gone for Rhys James. I've gone for Alexander-Arnold and Aaron Wambasaka. And I've also taken a third right back because I think he's an interesting player to have because he has played at centre-back and at times played well there. So I've also taken Kyle Walker with the idea that he's auxiliary cover in case of a centre-back injuries.
1: Yeah, I think Southgate will take Kyle Walker, definitely. Yeah, Because like you said, he'll play right side of centre-back for England. But if this is like my squad's, I I wouldn't include him because I think... I mean, he doesn't even start for Man City now, does he?
0: No. I mean, that's, the, that's partly down to the impervious form of João um, Cancelo, who yeah. up until the game last night against uh, Manchester United has played really, really well. Um, but, you know, alexander Arnold's Aaron Wan-Bissaka, and then obviously Rhys James on your pick. You know, we're looking at three different styles of... Uh, fullback aren't we? You know, we've always got Alexander-Arnold who's kind of more of a wing back than a back. Juan Bissaka who should be told not to do anything but tackle when he goes on the pitch and Rhys James who sits somewhere in the middle who's equally as comfortable sitting a bit deeper and you know, defending but also contributes very well in going forward. So you know, we're in for an interesting summer particularly in that position just to see who plays and I think that depends on the formation that uh, Southgate goes ahead with.
1: Yeah, I th- I think you kind of lose it there. I think it just kind of comes down to what kind of right back do you want? You know, it's you know, we've got a different kind of players that can play in different kinds of roles for that position. You know, if if you want to go defensively, you've got Wan-Bissaka. If you want more of a you know, player who's going to whip crosses in all the time, you've got Trent. And if you want someone in the middle, you've got Reece James. And for me, I I do like Wan-Bissaka, but I I like playing in a way that, you know, the the full are wing backs. So that that's why he's yeah. kind of- got the nod over uh Wambasaka for me.
0: Yeah, I mean Wambasaka's been, you know, reasonably impressive for United. Um but as we say, he, that part of his game is lacking is, is that going forward, you know, it's sometimes when he dribbles it looks more like he's just kicking the ball and chasing it rather than dribbling. Whereas, you know, in terms of technical ability I think Trent and Reese James are arguably a little bit ahead of him. But for, I think for defensive capabilities and from what I've seen of him compared to the other two, I think he's certainly a bit better.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, I I definitely agree with that.
0: Yeah, and then obviously to touch on Carl Walker, I mean, he's not played a lot recently for City, um, but, you know, his the biggest aspect of his game is his electric pace. You know, he can be caught out of position and he's almost always going to get back because he's just terrifyingly quick.
1: Yeah, yeah, very, very fast. It always has been throughout his career. My only kind of question marks on him is, I think he does have some kind of disciplinary issues. Sometimes, you know, he can lose his head a little bit. I think he does. Yeah, you have a mistake in him, which always worries me um, in the England team. And yeah, you know, he, don't get me wrong, he, he's not a bad player. And if you know we had a bunch of injuries, I wouldn't be you know afraid of him playing there. But I just, I just think we've got better options right now.
0: Yeah, but do you think you'd be, you know, interesting interesting to have, or rather, you know, a good option to have in the squad as a backup, also having international experience to pass on to some of the younger players who, you know, have maybe only played in England for a few qualifiers in the odd friendly prior to this tournament? Because I expect we're going to see a couple of players who, that's what's going to happen. Um, so, do you think he'll be sort of a calming influence in the locker room, be able to sort of help the younger players who might be struggling?
1: Potentially. You know, I think England have got a couple of players like that. You know, you know, when I think of something like that, I think more of, you know, Jordan Henderson, you know, even Harry Kane. I mean, even Raheem Sterling, you know, he's played a lot of games for England at this point. So I think England will have a good blend of experience and youth. And I, I, for the record, I think Kyle Walker will be in Southgate squad. Because I think he will play him as a centre-back. Yeah. But um, no, I, I do think that those kind of experienced players will be useful for what will probably be a young squad.
0: Yeah. Well, speaking of centre-back, who do you think he's going to take? How many, first of all, how many do you think he's going to take? And then who do you think he's going to go for?
1: Well, with Southgate, I think he'll take quite a few. Um, because, obviously, I think he's going to play three at the back. Or really five at the back. Yeah. Yeah. Um for me I've gone with uh John Stones, Tyron Mings. Uh Tyron Mings, is that <laughs> um uh, Mings, uh Harry Maguire and um, Michael Keane. I think Southgate might also put in Eric Dyer or someone like that in there.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean I've I've gone for a similar four centre back pick to you. I've also taken Stones, Maguire and Keane. Instead of Mings, I've gone for Connor Cody from Wolves.
1: Yeah, I I think that's a good shout as well.
0: Yeah, I mean without Jimenez, uh, Wolves haven't looked fantastic, which I think you know considering they're such a such an interesting team to watch last season. You know they're sitting in twelfth, but I think they've been helped a lot by you know defensively they've been solid at points and i think that's been a, a lot down to Connor cody saying that they still conceded 37 goals which isn't great you know they're conceding well just just over one goal a game on average but that he is playing well i think you know the, that doesn't necessarily point to um his form and i think oh i think he'll be in there over ming's
1: yeah i, I think it probably comes down to what kind of centre-back do you want? I think I've put Mings in mainly because I think he offers a lot more pace than the other options. And I think, you know, if you were to play four at the back, you kind of need your centre-backs to be able to cover, especially with the kind of full-backs England are going to have. They're going to be very attacking. So I think I'd be slightly worried about England getting uh, exploited on the break by, you know, a pacey striker. I think, yeah. you know, if you had, like, I don't know, McGuire in you know, Michael Keane playing, that, that would worry me, I think, as a partnership. Yeah. Where I think Mings can kind of complement any of the other centre-backs in there. Whereas yeah. Cody's kind of similar to all of them.
0: Yeah. I think we're going to see, I mean, for definite as well, I think John Stones is probably one of the first names on the team sheet at the moment, isn't he?
1: Yeah, yeah. He's definitely going to be um, my starting centre-back. Um, which yeah. is a real surprise. He's really turned his career around. You know, it's interesting, yeah. know, obviously, year 2020, he was suspended and now we're doing it this summer. But it could really benefit England to have john stones that's in good form so we played this tournament when it was actually as we played you would have been nowhere near the squad
0: yeah yeah i i agree and you know he looks more mature on the ball now he it's like you know sometimes he'd lose possession because he's trying to do too much and he's trying to play a bit of a hollywood ball or take it past a couple of players when and now he's just got that maturity to say you know what it's not on the you know the chance the chance of success isn't high enough. I'll you know I'll play a safe ball and then you know you seeing the team retain possession and then being able to recycle the ball and start again on the attack, which I think is much better from him. Is what he, you know we need to see from him, and it's good to see that he's doing that and he's doing it so well for Manchester City.
1: Yeah, I think he's started to cut out a lot of the mistakes in this game as well. You know, I think now when he's on the ball, you're not really worried. You know, he's gonna you know, take care of it and keep possession, like you said. And I think defensively, he's just improved all around, really. So it's yeah. really good to see. And I think someone like him who is comfortable on the ball will be key to how England play.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, you know, you mentioned improvements there. And I'm going to take that by naming the first of my two left backs. And again, when we say one of the first names on the team sheet at the moment, this guy's on there. I think you agree with me when I say that Luke Shaw is a dead sir at the moment.
1: Yeah, 100%. Um, He's having a fantastic season. He's really kind of turned yeah. it around over what's, you know, not been a, a great couple of years for him. Obviously, several different managers, but no, he's been brilliant for Man United and obviously scored against City uh, yesterday, which was a fantastic goal from left back. And yeah. definitely is, you know, again, a, a lot like John Stones, it's, it's great to have him come into form now. Cause if the tournament wasn't suspended, again, he wouldn't have been anywhere near the squad. Well, now you think England look a lot better with him at left back.
0: Yeah, and you know he's doing well to keep out, in my opinion, keep out another talented left back in Ben Chilwell. Um, and you know he's not just keeping him out; he is really, you know, he's barring the gates, assuming he can stay fit. We know Luke Shaw has some injury issues, um, but, but if he stays fit, I think he keeps Chilwell out of this lineup. And you know Chilwell's an excellent choice for a backup. But, you know, at the moment, the fit and firing Luke Shaw is, you know, it's very difficult to look past.
1: Yeah, I've also gone with Chilwell to be there with him. Again, he, you know, Chilwell's had his own injury issues as well this season. So I think, you know, potentially if they both got injured, you would be in trouble. But I don't really know who else you could pick. I think it has to be those two.
0: Yeah, you know, there is a player who is in my squad a little bit later on who can play at left back, but... You know, I've not put him down in that position because it would be I think it's a waste of his ability to have him in a defensive position as opposed to an attacking position I'm sure some of you and yourself as well that might guess who that is but yeah. um that will be revealed shortly
1: yeah I'm I'm pretty sure I know who you're talking about
0: yeah um just before we get onto our midfield and strikers let us know what you think of your England squads Or our England squads, rather. And let us know who you would have in over us. Perhaps am I being a bit mental putting Connor Cody in over Tyrone Mings, considering that Villa are, well, three places ahead of them with two two games in hand? You know, should Mings be in there? Or is it perhaps the debate at right back you want to chip in on? But anyway, do let us know on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is in the description of this podcast, and we will be looking forward to having a conversation with you guys there. Right, so midf- midfielders, Dan. How many have you taken? Uh,
1: how many have I taken? Let's count. Uh, so I have taken six midfielders.
0: Six. Okay. See, I've taken a bit of a risk and gone for five. I think it leaves us a bit of a bit light in the midfield. Um, but you know, which five have you gone for? We'll have to have a little comparison of this.
1: Uh, yeah. So the six I've gone for: are Declan Rice uh Mason Mount, Jack Grealish, Jordan Henderson, Phil Foden and James Madison.
0: Okay, I mean I've got exactly the same except for Madison. Madison isn't in my squad. Um otherwise exactly the same as you.
1: Yeah. Um I think they're kind of pick itself the midfield I think. Um we've got some really talented players in there. Um yeah and but they're all kind of a good mix of defensive-minded midfielders with a bit more experience and the more creative younger players like, you know, your Phil Fonans or your Jack Reedishes.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you say that. I mean, Declan Rice has been phenomenal in a phenomenal West Ham side this season. You know, they started off the season and they looked awful the first couple of games and then they've turned it around and, you know, they are one of the best sides in the league. They're currently in seventh. They've got a game in hand on Tottenham Hotspur and a level on points with them. You know, for a team that has, you know, had some issues with uh, attacks and backroom issues, you know, Sebastian Haller didn't particularly look like he wanted to be there, which when he did play, you know, they might have well have been playing with 10 men at some points. You know, I think Dettler Rice has been exceptional.
1: Yeah, he's been brilliant, I think you know, David Moyes was saying today you wouldn't sell him for £100 million. Um, I, think, yeah. I think the chairman might have a, a word to say about that for David Moyes. I think they probably would sell him for that amount. But yeah. um, it, it does go to show, you know, just how good he's been. And I think for England, he's perfect. So you can just kind of sit in that midfield and let the more creative players play in front of him. And you don't really yeah. worry about it then.
0: Yeah. And, you know, his ball retention as well has got so much better. You know, again, it's similar to Stones. I think he's playing the smarter option as opposed to the sort of riskier ball. He, you know, that smarter option that may, you know, is still an incisive pass, but it's safer rather than trying to play a sort of Hollywood ball. Um, I think he, he's become so much better than that. That at that, and there's, I think, the defensive side of his game has also improved, particularly his positioning. I think his reading of the game is a bit better.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think he's really, you know, like a lot of players in the squad, is kind of getting better every game. I think he's going to be perfect for that position. Obviously, if he yeah. doesn't play, I think Jordan Henderson can sit in there and do just as yeah. good a job. Obviously, a bit older, got a lot more experience. Um, yeah. But definitely, I think there's two good options in there for England, assuming they only play one deeper midfielder.
0: Yeah. And then we look at the more more attacking options. Um, You know, Mason Mount is now, I think we're past the point of saying, oh, it's just because Southgate likes him and that he's a teacher's pet. Mason Mount has proved now that he's actually one of the standout, I think one of the standout attacking midfielders in the Premier League this season, not just English um, players. I think of ability on the ball, his shooting ability, his movement, you know, I think it's time to sort of drop that piss-take nature of Mason Mountain and then actually see him as, you know, he's actually a bona fide, dangerous attacking midfielder that other teams should be scared of.
1: Yeah, yeah, he's again, he's he's a really good player this season. You know, he did it under Lampard. He's doing it under Tuchel as well, which kind of shows that, you know, it's definitely not just English bias if, you know, Tuchel's continuing to pick him. And I think he's great for things because he's got a lot of energy as well in that midfield. You know, he's not just a, a number 10, and play number eight as well. And I think that's where he will play, as more of a number eight. And I think he's going to be, again, one of the first names on the team sheet for England.
0: Yeah, I'd be surprised. The only way he wouldn't be, I think, is if he played the other two names on the midfield, which was Foden and Grealish, and played them as two attacking midfielders, because both of those players have been exceptional. Yeah, yeah. Um, Grealish... You know, at t- Villa look a completely different team without Grealish. Um, and again, he, he is having a couple of injury issues. I think he's suffering with uh, shin splints at the moment, um, which was leaked quite nicely to fantasy Premier League players by the Aston Villa team. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but, you know, Grealish, we know, talent, massively talented player. um you know that's where sort of the bashing of Mason Mount came is why are you playing Mount when you've got Grealish. You know, it's it didn't make sense. But you know, the one that would be just is a no-brainer is Foden. You know, he came on. City were 2 0 down against United. He came on and nearly, you know, created a chance and nearly scored in the first like what ten minutes if that.
1: Yeah, yeah, he really actually gave City a chance in that game when he came on.
0: Yeah, and I I'm massively surprised that he you know was exceptional against liverpool played really really well and has been dropped to the bench for three games i don't know if that's just peps rotation or i don't know but it it seems mad considering that de bruyne did not play well against united um mares wasn't great you know foden could have played in either of those positions and he didn't play
1: yeah no it is strangely you know again i don't know if maybe it's a fitness issue maybe he had some knocks in training or something but definitely think on form he'd be you know starting every game for city right now
0: yeah yeah i i would think that uh but we'll move on to someone you've you've put in your lineup i've put as an honorable mention uh james madison i think he's a bit of an interesting one and almost suffering from due to the amount of talented young english attackers we have
1: yeah yeah i mean i i think he's a great player i think there's definitely question marks about him going into the season of whether he could, you know, step up to the level that the other midfielders were showing. I think now that he's fully fit and he's playing regularly and he's been able to stay mostly injury free, I think he's showing that he is of the same quality. It's just, we have so many good ones that it might be a case that he misses out because of that. But, um, I put him in there. I think he's a a good kind of backup option to all of them as well as, uh, I think he's really good at set pieces with free kicks and corners. You know, we mentioned earlier we're not including Kieran Trippier in this squad. So I think as that kind of set piece specialist, he'd he'd be perfect for it.
0: Yeah, I mean there are other players that I look at in the squad and I think they would be as good as a free kick take. We know that Alexander Arnold's got good great delivery on him and, and does pop up with the occasional free kick goal. Um we see Luke Shaw take free kicks and corners um for United um harry kane can take them marcus rashford uh, no,
1: i'm not having harry kane on corners uh, no stop maybe not maybe stop. not on don't, corners. don't give me ptsd to the last year come on
0: <laughs> i know they were bad but come on he's on the form of his life who says he can do it he's
1: he's, he's like six hours he like six two or something get him in the box <laughs> yeah get
0: him winning headers. Six, six two with seven inches of forehead <laughs>
1: No, I mean, I mean, uh, I, I meant, you know, Madsen, he isn't just a set-piece specialist. You know, you are right, there are plenty of players that can do it for England. But I think it's always a bonus to have in your locker. You know, you bring him on with sort of five, ten minutes to go and you know he's going to put, you know, quality into the box.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, yeah, I, I think he has fallen victim to just this talent boom that England have got in attacking midfield, you know. Uh, the emergence of Phil Foden and Jack Grealish we always knew was a talented player but now doing it regularly in the Premier League. Um, Mason Mount stepping up a gear. I just really do feel for a bit and I think he's had a couple of injury issues as well which haven't helped him.
1: So now that's the midfielders done do you want to take us through your attackers Ross?
0: Yeah I mean I think, I think- it's an interesting attack So. You know, as as you know, we sort of made reference to there are players who can play in other positions. And, you know, with a sort of a theme between both of our squads is there are players who can go and play somewhere else. So um, I've gone for Sterling, Rashford, Bukayo Saka, Harry Kane, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, and Jaden Sancho as my six attackers.
1: Yeah, so I've gone with the uh, exact same uh, six attackers, which obviously means that you obviously took an extra defender in Kyle Walker, whereas I had James Madison in the midfield. Um, but yeah. we've gone with all the same attackers, and I've kind of gone through a similar thought process of you, as a lot of them can play in multiple positions. Uh, you know, obviously, Harry Kane and Calvert Lewin are strikers. But the other four can all play left wing, right wing. I don't think it really matters. I think even Rashford, maybe even Sterling, could probably fill in at striker if they had to. Yeah. Um, But I think that's you know a lot of uh, variety in sort of positions and playing styles there.
0: Yeah, and I know you know Saka can even fill in at left back in case we have an injury. You know, real big injury issue there. So I think to have a young, talented player who's also versatile, who has performed in multiple positions is vitally important. Um I believe Rashford is one of the highest uh for goal contributions of any player under the age of twenty three. Um, I think he's only behind Sancho actually, in goal contributions for the age of under twenty-three. So, you know, is it tight do you think marcus rashford as a player is a, almost a, like a little bit underrated a little bit disrespected
1: possibly i think he's in a kind of a tricky situation at united whereas i feel like he plays every minute of every game so i think he, he is quite exhausted i think so every time i watch him play he yeah. doesn't look that um impressive but obviously his numbers are great and i think you know he just plays so much that we kind of think of him as maybe a bit, of, bit older than he actually is. You know, he he is still kind of a young player that's going to keep improving. Yeah. And I think, you know, yeah. he, he's a great option for England because even though, I, you know, I definitely see him as a left winger, but he can do a job at striker.
0: Yeah. um, You know, but speaking of strikers, you know, to have a player of his ability able to play there, you know, is also an excellent cover for Harry Kane, who we know has just been, exceptional this season scores goals he creates goals he's, he's almost doing what he wants without him spurs look like a mid-table side um which to be fair they're not far off now but um he's he just brings something else to any team he plays in and he's just clinical in front of goal
1: yeah yeah he's he's, he's a brilliant player like i said you know creating goals scoring goals i think he can probably score from anywhere on the pitch he's, you know he's that good he's, he's that kind of player um yeah just brilliant obviously i think he it'd be him and henderson uh, obviously vying for the captaincy but i think both of them are good leaders to have in the dressing room
0: yeah yeah certainly capable maybe a vice if not the captain um you've also got to touch on calvert lewin as well Well, i mean what a season he's having considering he was sort of a maybe a 10 goal a season striker last season and his previous couple of seasons and now under ancelotti he looks like a completely different player lethal finisher you know quick physical tall bastard of a striker like you know teams (laughs) don't want to come up against him.
1: yeah he's very difficult to play against you know he he was kind of i can get into the point of his career where it was kind of make or break for him where he was either going to be you know a striker that could potentially be you know in the top four and fighting for that kind of area and you know england in the england squad to be in like a, a mid-table, you know, lower, kind of lower Premier League player. And I think he's kind of shown that he is good enough to be playing at the top level. He is only, you know, 23 still. So, again, he's another player that's going to yeah. keep improving. But he definitely gives England a more direct option. You know, if you're chasing a game, one of down, 10 minutes to go, you have him and Kane up front. You know, you're just throwing the ball in the box through, you know, Trent or Reese James, you know, you're going to get goals in the air with them, I think.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, here's one for you then. Know. We've both taken Jaden Sancho, right? And we know he's been tearing up the Bundesliga. He's been a bit rocky this season, but over the last sort of month and a half, he has just decided he's going to play again. I don't know what happens. He's gone back on some sensational form um, and is playing really well for Dortmund. But, you know, we're seeing this trend of players c- coming over from Germany and playing in England. And struggling. And I think it's fair to say that while Sancho has been good for England, he's certainly not been the top, top, top level player we were expecting. It was a little bit disappointing in an England shirt. Do you think that is down to, you know, perhaps it's just this Bundesliga curse that we're seeing that's affecting players like Havertz, or is it just maybe the. Well, not maybe it's in likelihood the english media doing their usual of overhyping a player they don't reach these ridiculous levels and then they're slating them
1: yeah i think it's definitely a bit of overhyping you know i think he is you know a brilliant player even you know, if he's playing in the bundesliga or whatever i think he, he still plays well i think also when he has played for england it's kind of come under bad circumstances for him off the pitch where it's either been you know he's slightly out of form in germany or you know, he's been linked to Man United a hundred times and he's dealing with the transfer speculation or well, when there was, you know, off the pitch issues for a while, you know, he kind of had to deal with that for most of his England appearances. So I think we're yet to kind of see a top form Jadon Sancho in that England squad, which I think yep. he looks to have got back to his best. So hopefully he can just kind of stay focused on that. and I think England have a, you know, a brilliant attack into the Euros.
0: Yeah, yeah, it'd be interesting to see how he plays as well in tandem, whichever right back is chosen, depending on the formation as well, because, you know, we saw that, because Trent Alexander-Arnold likes to attack so much, sometimes I felt that he kind of choked Sancho a bit, and squeezed him out, and made him ineffectual uh, in this England's team, and you know, I'd hate to see that happen, but, you know, speaking of that, I think we're Say what our starting 11s are. I think you know. Are we going to play them together? Are we not? Is there going to be you know a shocker of who you start? Who are you going to start? I don't know. So guess we'll start with uh, what's your formation? What formation do you think that England should go forward into the Euros with?
1: Yeah. So so if I was picking the team, you know, if Southgate gets sacked. They, they give Dan Newton a call, which they should. Um, <laughs> I I would uh, line England up in a four three three. I think it's why everyone plays these days. I think it's good. I think it's the best formation, really. um For the record, I think Southgate will play like some stupid 5 of the back system, which is rubbish. Yeah, but...
0: I think we'll probably see him play a five-five-two-three. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, think. I agree. Um, and I would fully expect those two centre-mids to be defensive midfielders, and us trying to figure out why the fuck is Foden on the bench. But
1: yeah, so for yeah, me... that's
0: what I was about to say. <laughs>
1: Um yeah, so I've I've gone with Pickford in goal. I think if Henderson was playing every week for my United, I might have picked him, but I think Pickford's got a lot of international experience, so I think it's useful to have him and I, I think he's improving this season. You know, didn't start great, but I think he has gotten better. Um at right back I have gone with Trent. You know, again, having a rough season, but I think he is good quality. Um my centre back pair might be a bit controversial. Um, but I've gone with John Stones and Mings to play together. Just because I think they're two players that would complement each other quite well. Whereas I think all the other players are quite similar. Whereas I think Mings is a good partner to any of them and I think you just pick Stones over the others. Yep. Uh our left back, starting Luke Shaw, again, best left back we've got. We're having a great season. I don't really think you start uh too well over him. So then sitting in front of the, the back line, I've got Declan Rice. Ahead of him, Mason Mount, Phil Foden. Uh, and on the right wing, I've gone with Jadon Sancho. And on the left wing, I've gone with Raheem Sterling to be behind Harry Kane up front.
0: Nice. Yeah, that's a strong lineup. Um, there's a, a few pointers, you know, oh place I'd, I'd disagree with because I've I, well first off, I have also agreed with you and gone for a four three three. as you say, ev- a lot of teams utilize a four three three a lot of Premier League teams and Bundesliga teams use a four three three. Why are you trying to then get these players playing and learning a system that you know you only get them for a couple of weeks at a time? Surely you should take advantage of the fact that they play four through three almost every week. And then you just tweak the fine points of that system. They know they understand the positioning of that of that system or a four through three formation. Just make the tweaks around that. It you know gives you less to do and gives you more time to think tactically rather than this is the shape. They know the shape. Every team plays it. So go four through three. Please don't do a five back, Gareth. Uh but in that team, I've actually gone for Dean Henderson in goal. Yeah. Um and again I'm gonna caveat that is with you know, Solskjaer isn't playing De Gea for about a month and a half. You know, I think he's just had he's been in Spain for the birth of his child and uh Solskjaer sort of said stay out there, whether or not that's because 'cause he's been a nice, compassionate human being or they are trying to shuffle De Gea out the door, I'm not too sure. Um I had a really tough choice at right back, but I have also gone for Trent um at right back, as you say Tricky season, I said earlier. There's a risk he chokes Sancho, which would be you know Sancho having to then come in field, which consequently chokes uh, either Foden or Mount, you know, the, competing for space in the attacking uh, area, which just could nullify them. Um, I've gone for John Stones and Harry Maguire in the centre, um, Luke Shaw at left back. Uh the same midfield three as you with Declan Rice sitting, phone and Mountain ahead of them. And then the very similar front three except we've gone for Sancho Kane and Rashford on the left wing.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean I don't massively disagree with that. Um I think it's just kind of personal preference comes into it at that point, I think. You know, for me I just I think of Harry Maguire at the back and maybe it's just me, I, I just I don't rate him. I really don't like Harry Maguire. Um I just don't think he suits the way England a to play either, you know. I think he is more of an old-fashioned centre-back. You know, I, I, he's just not having a great season. I just think, you know, if you're going to have Shaw and Trent bombing up the wings, I think you've got to have someone with more pace back there. I think Maguire would just get exposed, really.
0: Oh, yeah, I understand understand that, but watching Maguire for United... Um... When you see Maguire paired with someone who is a capable defender like Eric Bailly has looked, and then you get him paired with someone who's a bit, you know, a bit, a bit rash, and gets dragged out of position, someone like Lindelof, then you see more Maguire issues. And I think it's a confidence thing. You know, it, it, we always talk about centre-back partnerships. You know, I think when Harry Maguire plays with a capable partner. He's also a top player because it's, you know it's not a singular position, as I say, say, it's a partnership. and I think if you can play him with an informed John Stones, um, I think Maguire suddenly becomes a much better defender because he's got that confidence to know that if he's slightly out positioned, he's got some fantastic cover behind him, whereas you know he won't perhaps have that with someone else. You know as we've seen for united when there has been a mistake you know it's not just been him and i think you know as well as an informed luke Shaw at left back they play together at club level they've probably got a great link up i think we should capitalize on that
1: yeah i mean i do agree with what you're saying i do think he looks better when he's partnered with better players i just think you know i think the reason he looks good with uh, eric Bayer is that it allows him to press higher up the pitch because by has the pace to cover for them whereas i think if you partner with stones who isn't particularly quick you know you run the risk of you know, you know say hypothetically we we'll are playing france and they've got mbappe up front and griezmann and they get a counter-attack and you've got mbappe and griezmann running at Stones and Maguire. you know that that terrifies me at least if i've got tyro yeah. rings i know he's gonna run and just smack one of them you know <laughs> yeah um, got, i don't know what Maguire does in that situation falls i'll be over, honest i think
0: I'll be honest, If it just Mbappe and Griezmann are running at them, even with Trent Alexander-Arnold at right-back, because let's make no mistake about it. He's not particularly quick for a full-back either. You know, the only I think the only player who's got a chance of getting near them is Luke Shaw.
1: Yeah, but I mean, at least if you have one quick player at the back, because we're assuming the fullbacks are already up the pitch. It's already too late for them. They can't get back at cover. Yeah. So I'm just I'm just hoping that... You know, mixing it do something. I, I, but again, you know, it's a personal preference. I think.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think you know we've got some a uh, uh, nailed on choice of centre back in John Stones. I think you know we said about earlier about Joe Gomez being injured. I think if he's if he was fit and had played a full season, I think he, you'd probably be looking at Stones and Gomez as your starting partnership.
1: Yeah, yeah I agree. I, I think that would be a really good partnership. I think yeah. for am England.
0: Yeah, um, you know, we both had the same, you know, moving on, we both had the same midfield of Rice, Foden, Malm, I, again, I think for form, that kind of writes itself.
1: Yeah, I think that will just come down to which players are playing better, I think, immediately after the tournament. You know, if, like, Foden is out of the Man City eleven and Grealish is fully fit and, you know, scoring goals for Aston Villa, I think maybe Grealish gets in there ahead of him. Um, Again, I think it just comes down to who's playing well at the time.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'd I'd have to agree with you there, and I think that's the same with the front three, isn't it? You know, we you've gone for Sterling as your starter, I've gone for Rashford, um, and again, it's it's really down to which player do you prefer because both of their numbers are phenomenal.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, yeah, again, personally, I just prefer Sterling, but um, Rashford, you know, I wouldn't complain about Marcus Rashford being in the eleven. You know, he's still a very good player.
0: Yeah. Well, hopefully, we'll see more of those players in the Premier League and them keeping fit in the Premier League, but for now, we're going to look forward to the week of football. Um, Champions League returns this week, you know, seeing the second legs of um, Champions League big games. You know, PSG are are walking with a massive lead against Barcelona, four away goals. Yeah. I mean, we. If, for those of you who haven't, perhaps you can go back and listen to one of our previous podcasts where we did predict who would be going through in every leg of the uh, Champions League. And according to the first leg results, I think we got every single one right except uh, the Liverpool-Leipzig result. Uh,
1: you may have. I, I don't think I did. <laughs> I'm
0: pretty sure I said Barcelona uh... would
1: beat PSG, so that, I definitely got that one wrong.
0: Um, But you know do do you expect to see any changes based on the results that we've already seen, or do you think you know it's sort of mostly one way traffic now?
1: um I mean, I think there's quite a few tight games in there, you know uh Porto Juventus, I think you know that could swing way, obviously Porto have the lead, but Juventus are a great great team, uh, yeah, and have an away goal yeah yeah, um Liverpool Leipzig, I'd expect Liverpool to carry on, they seem to be some reason better in the champions league than they are at you know in in the premier league although yeah. playing at anfield might cost them
0: yeah i mean we saw Klopp introduce massive rotation against fulham which backfired spectacularly and i'm still not over it <laughs> um sorry sorry uh, but you know are we going to see a full strength liverpool team return do you think for leipzig do you think that was the thinking bar behind the rotation is or save him for um same for the champions league cuz that's kind of all liverpool have got left now isn't it
1: yeah i mean i i'd presume so um i don't know why else he would rotate unless he was just players are out of form but i think he would rotate different players if that was the case um so yeah, yeah I'd, I'd expect a, a fully fit and uh you know he'd f- probably the, the best liverpool team you can put out cuz like you said that you can only really go for the Champions League, you know, they're not going to win the title. They might not even get top four. But if yep. they can go win the Champions League, qualify through next season tournament through that, and get a trophy, then you know they're not going to complain about it, are they?
0: Yeah. I had the feeling you were going to say a fit and firing Liverpool then, and, you know, that wouldn't have been accurate, would it?
1: <laughs> yeah, I nearly did. And I was sort of like, well, they are rubbish, aren't they?
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. I know. Um, obviously I think Dortmund versus Sevilla will be a good watch Dortmund have a 3-2 aggregate lead uh, and then they've got the home leg as well um, they are just coming uh, off the back of a 4-2 loss to Bayern Munich but uh, do you think that'll impact their chances against a good Sevilla
1: team? Um, I don't think so I think yeah, you know they were, they were 2-0 up in that match and I think Erling Haaland went off injured I don't know how bad the injury was um, obviously if he misses out then potentially that could really damage their chances but if he's back and fit i'd expect them to you know finish the job at home
0: yeah you know we are looking at you know interesting champions league ties this week and next week which we will be probably touch on in next week's podcast i imagine but then we also look forward to the premier league over the weekend and it's arsenal tottenham you know that's probably the biggest game of the weekend
1: yeah, I think it's one of the the few derbies that actually lives up to its reputation. I think they're usually actually good games to watch, which is actually quite rare, I think, for the, the Premier League derbies now.
0: Yeah, I mean, we're, we're looking at two teams in sort of similar form. Arsenal, in 10th, they've got two losses, two wins and a draw in their last five, and Tottenham have lost two, but also won three on the bounce. So while their last five game results have been... Not too far off. I think if you look at the run of how they're playing at the moment, Tottenham, you think probably going to edge it.
1: Yeah, I think so. You know, I think Mourinho has a good record in derbies. I think he actually has a good record in North London derbies as well, even though he hasn't actually managed in that many of them. And I think when, yeah. when Spurs we got Kane, you know, Bale, Son, uh, all fit, they're a really good team, and I think there'll be too much for us to handle we already know don't have a great defense so yeah you know i don't fancy david louise up against those three
0: no and you know it works so well for um tottenham that bale has you know he's turned into the player he was you know, before he went to real madrid um he looks impervious i think he got two goals uh last night against crystal palace he just suddenly, you know, Mourinho criticising him, him, publicly criticising him, and he starts playing well. I didn't know if this is, you know, that's that might could be genius on Mourinho's part, and it could be that Bale's actually finally become accustomed to, you know, playing football again after spending so long on a golfing holiday in Spain.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's, you know, probably a combination of many different things, probably him actually getting fit and, you know, a bit of man management from Mourinho to kind of fire him up a little bit, maybe. Um, But no, it's great to see him back. You know, I think it's been weird this season because when he first signed for Spurs, everyone was like, "Our oh, Gareth Bale is going to be the best player in the world again. And then he didn't play and when he did play, he wasn't great. So suddenly Gareth Bale is terrible and he should never play in the Premier League again. And now he's had a couple of games in a row where he's good and suddenly he's the best player in the world again. So I, yeah. I think people need to just relax a little bit when it comes to Gareth Bale. You know, he's very yeah. good. Let's just you know see how he carries on the rest of the season.
0: Yeah, yeah. So what prediction are you going to make for the score?
1: Um, I'm actually I- I'm going to really back Spurs on this. I think they're going to win three nil.
0: Three nil. See, yeah. I've gone for two nil. Well, I'm backing Spurs as well, but I've gone for two.
1: I think you know I you know we were talking about this last night. Um, I don't think Spurs have a great defense, but I think the way Mourinho is going to set up. They're going to have a lot of players back and just kind of counter attack with, you know, Son, Kane, and Bale. And I think they're just going to tear Arsenal apart. And I don't think Arsenal have a good defence either. But I think Spurs have a better attack that's going to do more damage to them. I think is yeah. going to play more defensively, to kind of cover for his bad defenders.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, that's kind of what we've almost come to expect from Mourinho against traditional big sides. Um, he sits back and defends and, you know, and then tries to launch a counter attack. And that counter attack didn't work without Kane. Yeah. Um. But now you've got Kane back who, you know, doesn't, he's not missed a step. And now you've also, you has got Son, who we know is a fantastic player. And now you've got Gareth Bale, who has just decided, like I say, he's just decided he's going to play well again. It's, you know, could be frightening for Arsenal um, and if Tottenham don't sit back because I don't think Arsenal are going to ever sit back, not under Arteta, don't look like they want to do it and they don't look like they're capable of doing it. Um, yeah, n- th- not anymore anyway.
1: I think no. they definitely decided they're going to play more on the front for it.
0: Yeah, and I think that could actually work pretty well for Tottenham if they decided to just edge forward a bit and you know try and capitalise on that. I think it you know, I've gone for 2-0, and you've gone 3, but it could potentially be more.
1: Yeah, no, I, I agree with all that. Yeah, I think it's going to be a, a very good day for Spurs and a very frustrating one for Arsenal fans. Yep,
0: yeah, but unfortunately for Spurs fans, you do have to wait to the weekend, as do we, because we're both looking forward to that game, because we have reached the end of the podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Do look after yourselves, and we'll catch you next time.